We are going to be talking about how a Palestinian has managed to get into the Eurovision, a hit Netflix show, which is getting a bit of an Emirati makeover. Habibi. <laughs> we'll talk about how one man may have solved the infamous Amelia Earhart mystery. And of course, man is here to tell you what to check out in the UAE this week in Mad About Town. Yes, this is Culture Bites coming to you from the National News. I'm Inas Rafai. And I'm Farah Andrews. So I'm I'm prepared today. Oh, no hi's, no hellos. Just get you straight. No, in. are we going to go in? I mean, we've been away from each other for quite some time, and oh, we're yeah, in a new we studio. Yeah, we should talk about that. So hi, hi. How are you? How was Bhutan? Uh, yes, thank you so much for bringing that up. I have been in Bhutan. <laughs> oh really? You yeah. hadn't mentioned it. I've, I actually haven't had it all over Instagram yet because I've been overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. So it's going to be like this weekend. I'm going to spend time being like, oh yeah, PS, I was in Bhutan. So. But you yeah. stopped over in Kathmandu. I did. <laughs> did you did you wear like pashminas and just kind of like marvel? Did you look a lot of marveling? I imagine that's a lot of marveling, not very much pashminering. Okay. For one reason and one reason only. It was so cold. Really? I was in like everything I owned. So it is cold in Bhutan. Very. Okay. Like well, we're talking like minus four to four. Um I'm like I'm quite good at geography. Where is Bhutan though? Oh, thank you so much for asking my new specialist subject. If I have to go on mastermind. <laughs> My special subject is going to be Bhutan. Um, it is east of Nepal, but oh, cold, yeah. Sandwiched between it has borders with China and northern India, so southern Ooh. western China, northeastern India. I'm thinking good food then. Yeah, not what I was expecting though. A lot of stews, which makes sense. It's quite an agricultural country, so they do have a lot of yak. Yum. I had yak carpaccio on the first day, which was actually. Really, really yummy. I didn't know. It's not like, oh, that's a shocker. It's not a shock. It was lovely. It was yeah. actually. Um, but that's quite a fancy take, I think, on Bhutanese food. Um, <laughs> their specialist is like chili and cheese, which... A great combo. Yeah. Is that like jalapeno stuff? Kind, I like those. Kind of, if you... You know how like deconstructed food is so trendy? Bhutan was doing it first. So it's like a deconstructed <laughs> stuffed jalapeno. Yum. Well, I'm really excited because your article is going to talk all about Bhutan. Yeah, it's going to be a few because I've got two main things to say. Nice. I made 3,000 words of notes just on my iPhone. So. <laughs> <laughs> unlike, unlike me, I was all over Instagram for my Davos visit, which you were there for. So it yeah, was a long I, time I, ago. Yeah, Davos does feel like years ago. To be honest, Bhutan feels like years ago. I only got back on Monday, though. Ah, this but, week? Yeah, month this week. Oh, well, we celebrated yesterday because it was my birthday. It was, it was your birthday yesterday. <laughs> I think we went overboard. I went overboard. We didn't. We went underboard. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a big shout out, obviously, to my family. My children woke me up with like signs. It was so cute. And then my my amazing team who bought me a cake with happy birthday boss on, which I loved. Are we, are we shouting them out just because they're in the room? Yeah. With us? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Thanks. Thank you for my cake. <laughs> I much enjoyed it. I actually didn't get a slice of that. Um, mm, why so... didn't you do that? I don't know. I had quite a busy day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have enough time to come over for cake, but it looked delicious. It was lotusy, right? It was lotusy. How Biscoff. How UAE? Yeah, that is quite UAE, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Aww. I loved it. My actually my colleague who bought and chose the cake told me that it was his favourite. So that's the right way to choose cake. And I think that's the right way to choose cake. My sister-in-law's like... baby shower, I got her a Nutella cake and I was like, why? Because Nutella is great. <laughs> And then I found out that one of her best friends has a not allergy and I felt incredibly guilty. But hey, sometimes I think we people make forget that Nutella has nuts in. People <laughs> Which is just forget because it is in the name. 
<laughs> but yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, we do. And I kind of teased to it and then I got really excited because yeah. I prepared notes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, I don't have <laughs> peek behind the curtain. This is the first time Inas has ever come with notes. <laughs> Maybe this many notes. I'm just, I'm quite passionate about this subject. I am passionate about the fact that I'm just going to sit back, relax and get taught. taught Eurovision. It's, it's got a following. It's a cult. I am passionate. Ah, oh, hello. Yeah, I like Eurovision. Welcome to the club. Well, so I think I think a lot of people are really passionate and I, I have friends of mine and it's like, it's extraordinarily camp and it's big and it's out there. It's flamboyant. It's sparkly. It's basically stayed at the level that it was at when ABBA were a Eurovision <laughs> entry and it's never changed. It's never changed. And are we looking for good music? No. Are we looking for Europop? Yes. Yes. Are we looking for a weird metal act from Germany? Yes. Oh yeah, there's always the Scandi metal. <laughs> there's always the Scandi metal. Give us some Nordic metal and I'll be thrilled. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's got a bit of a cult following and people get really excited about it um, for good reason. It's a, an extravaganza. Mm. That's a good word for it. It is a good word. Um, so we've seen that uh, it's Sweden will be hosting this year. Um, and as you know, you may or may not know, there's a few countries which randomly, maybe not necessarily considered in Europe, one being Israel. And the other being Australia. It's, this isn't a geography lesson, but I want to know what was happening in the Eurovision offices the day that they let Israel, Azerbaijan and Australia in. We don't know. And and that's what's like kind of interesting. So this year, I think with everything that's happening in Gaza, um, understandably, like there are some artists yeah. that, that are quite annoyed that Israel is going to be taking part. Um, so the, but Iceland taking a bit of a stance on this so it's kind of interesting there is a Palestinian singer who's now going to be competing for Iceland in the Eurovision contest absolutely love it brilliant who is he you ask I, oh, sorry uh, I, who is he yeah Bashar Murad oh, yes so he's much. a 30 year old Jerusalem based um, Palestinian man who is really known for speaking up about occupation um, and gender equality. He's collaborated with another Icelandic act. Who are they, you ask? Who are they? Who are they? <laughs> I, I can't even take the lines when I'm fed them. <laughs> <laughs> so Hatari is a punked act. Now, I did some research on them. They are what has been described as an anti-authoritarian dystopian act. Right. It makes perfect sense. We're yeah. here. We're, yeah, we're here. here now, right? Thank you, Iceland. So... They're known for speaking up about Palestinian acts, mainly in the big 2017 Eurovision Song Contest, which was held in Europe. No, Israel. It was held in Israel. And Atari made headlines um, for their political statement on the Israeli occupation of Palestine. Is this when I remember, I don't want to take your punchline, I'm about to take your punchline. Do I remember someone... A band holding up Palestinian flags? Yes, yes, yes. yes. You're right. But fun thing that I had forgotten, oh, right? Oh, some some e- eager Eurovisioners will be like, is no, there, but there was somebody else. Is there a plot who twist? Also held up a Palestinian flag that contest. Madonna. Oh yeah. Yes. So Madonna also performed mm-hmm. in Israel in 2017, and at on the back at the at, at the backs. And I I actually had to do some digging because I was like, really? Did this actually happen? And I found it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to regret what I'm about to say, but like the organizers getting Madonna there, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I mean, we wouldn't think of Madonna when we think of Eurovision. She's American. Uh, so there's a few things that are kind of a bit out of swing. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. However, good for them. She was there and two of her dancers actually were seen side by side, side, one with an Israeli and one with a Palestinian flag on their backs. The, ge the oh, okay. gesture was apparently a call for unity, but Eurovision organizers were upset. Oh. And the actually the organizers said the display of Palestinian flags inside Israel is deeply controversial. So despite warnings in 2000, um, it was actually in 2019, Hatari displayed the Palestinian flag. Okay. Iceland was then banned, uh, not banned. They were fined. Punished. Punished for breaching the competition's regulations. Okay. okay. Now we're going to fast forward. I know that all, like eye rolls aren't audible, but. You're eye rolling. I, I, I'm going to say it. Uh, she eye rolled. Now, I think with everything that's going on, a lot of artists are taking more of a stand saying, no, no, no you know, this isn't acceptable. Um, we want to see some action taken against the alleged war crimes in Gaza. So we have 1,400 Finnish artists have teamed up with um, the Icelandic musicians calling for the exclusion of Israel. And Amazing. in Sweden, which is where it's be hosted this year, you have a thousand Swedish mu musicians who've also called for Israel to be banned from Eurovision. This is interesting because we have seen countries banned. Yeah. Do That's you know? what I was going to... Pop quiz. <laughs> who? I mean, of like Russia. Yes. And that was not because they had been producing subpar music. It's because they were... Ukraine. Engaged in war. War. Yes. Yes. So it's kind of like, so the EBU banned Russia from the event, saying that its entry wouldn't, would, you know, would bring the competition to disrepute. Disrepute? Disrepute. Yeah. So it goes into this whole thing, right? It's like, if we start, if we say you can't make political gestures and then you find them, but then you still say we're going to take it away from a country. And then, then you're still make you are then making that political gesture. They yeah exactly. So it's was, wildly selective. It's the blinkered. You. If Eurovision is going to dabble in politics itself, surely it has to be an across the board situation. A hundred percent. Or they say we are a music competition, not a political competition. But that isn't true because it's very. Like Eurovision is noted for its like political voting, right? Poir was Nil. given to us. Well, Many years in a row. <laughs> it was given to the UK. I'm not going to say us. Obviously, I'm from everywhere. But um, it was given to the UK. She's a global woman. She's a global woman. Baton. No, um, it was it was given to the UK after Brexit. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of times where countries or like there's a kind of a political message which is seen through the voting. Yeah, and like so, year before last, mm -hmm. and it was I'm not saying like sympathy vote, but Ukraine won. Yeah. And that was kind of perceived as like a real like countries rallying around Ukraine, right? Yeah. And that was a nice thing, not a sympathy vote, countries backing Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And then when they won, the competition wasn't able to be held in Ukraine. So it was held in the country that came second, which unprecedentedly, do you know what that was? The UK. Ah! The UK came second. And so that's why the competition was held in Liverpool oh, last one year. One time we got almost close. So what I find really interesting about this story right is we have three countries i glanced over the list there might be more that are not in europe mm -hmm. 
who compete in the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm -hmm. We have a body saying this is not political. Mm -hmm. But then ban countries on political lines. And fining countries for and political action. Countries for political action. And then I was like digging a bit deeper and I was like, well, this is like just so interesting. Why don't we just get Palestine to compete? Yeah. Right? Make a simple answer. Give Palestine the right to compete. Oh, they have tried. So in 2007, you may ask. Oh, sorry, I, should, I should have asked. <laughs> Why haven't Palestine competed? They launched a campaign in 2007 after 2008 because Israel entered a song called um, Push the Button. Now, Push the Button was actually got lots of complaints because people felt like it referred to nuclear war. Which is sad. I'm I'm hoping that it's not like I think I'm not hoping. It's, it's quite even if it isn't a um, it is quite an antagonistic name. If you're like pushing someone's buttons, you're winding them up. Mm. You're annoying them. There's that great Sugar Babe song though. There, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing antagonistic about the Sugar Babes. <laughs> so, so I'm just you know what I like to you know I'm a journalist. Like how long I don't has like Israel... to think about my feelings too much? She says deeply in her feelings. But the other thing is like, why not let people in a really fun way demonstrate political allegiances? Yeah. Like, why is that an issue? Why can't we open up? Solidarity should be fine. I don't think that people wearing, I mean, people politicize flags and banner wearing, but Football. they didn't... Um, they weren't being aggressive. They weren't shouting. They weren't hurting anyone. Mm. It was a very peaceful protest. And if that should that should be fine. And if you're going to ban one country for on certain grounds, then perhaps other countries should be banned for those same grounds yeah. rather than celebrated and having the other countries banned. So let's see what happens. But I think it is really it is quite like it's quite interesting that Iceland has taken this stance and then we have like Finnish and Swedish art, um, artists calling for a ban from the other side. Yeah. But as we head closer and closer to Eurovision, we will find out. Yeah, there's some big news this week coming out of Netflix, coming out of Love and coming out of the UAE. <laughs> I ran over when I saw this news pop up on our website. It was very less like, <laughs> Love is Blind, UAE version is coming to us. What is his name, you might ask? I'm asking. Well, are we going to do this the whole <laughs> no, podcast? The we need to stop now. No, but what is interesting about Love is Blind is that, is it? Is Love Blind? The, no, the show is almost categorically proven that no, it's no, not. It's <laughs> <laughs> Across the board, <laughs> Love is Blind has proven that no, Love is not blind. <laughs> but it's, have you, you, okay, let's start from the beginning. Have you watched Love is Blind? I've watched a few, look, I watched the, Daphne the first season. That was the, like during lockdown. Yeah, it, it was, was during, during lockdown. It got me through a lot of things. But, um, and I've like dabbled. I've dabbled. Here, I am not a dabbler. I'm invested. Okay, committed. I'm in. <laughs> I don't watch it very quickly. So when everyone's watching it and the whole internet's obsessed with it, I can't spend like six hours in a row watching Love is Blind because yeah. I do feel like, you know, when you like watch teeth decaying in Coca-Cola, I feel like that's what happens to my brain when I watch six <laughs> hours in a row of Love is Blind. So it has to be spoon fed. <laughs> okay. That was quite an intense analogy. An analogy. Okay. I, but but I'm, I'm I love it. going to binge this though, because anything that like kind of brings those kind of like weird reality shows and 
and then gives it the Middle Eastern twist. Yeah. Or even like when, when you've had like things that go to India, everything that happens where it goes a little bit more I mean, east, Indian matchmaker is, my, like, is probably my favorite thing on Netflix, genuinely. Amazing, right? So anything that goes- shout little, out. I would like her as a guest on this podcast. <laughs> but anything that goes east is just generally more interesting yeah. because then you have this like, generally a Western concept of a reality TV show. And then you have Eastern people. Mm-hmm. And it's thank, just, thank you for that. It's that, just more fun. That's a good explanation. Like, like, even Dubai Bling, it's oh, like a yeah. reality TV show, but they're just with Eastern people. It's just everything is just more fun. I have actually not watched the second series of Dubai Bling yet. And what? personal news: I'm doing a panel talk about reality TV in this country soon, so Man I have is... to. I have to watch it. I have to watch it. I have to watch it. Um, but we actually, I don't think we've even cleared this up. There's a UAE version of Love Is Blind coming. It's going to be called Best Name Ever: Love Is Blind, Habibi. Which you thought was, I was joking about when I said that's the name. I thought you were joking. It's coming. It's real. It's going to, they haven't actually said when it's when it's out, but it's going to be on Netflix. I'm assuming it's either been filmed or it's being filmed now. Um, it's got a Saudi actress and TV personality who I actually didn't know who, I don't know this In woman. Ali. Yeah. Do you know her? Not personally. I feel like I, I don't know her personally. Okay. Well, she's hosting it with her husband. <laughs> I recognize the name. She's I need to watch way more Saudi point. TV, clearly. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, and do we think Love is Blind is going to work here? I think it has every chance of working as much as it has in other shows, which it hasn't worked very well. <laughs> I feel like we're going back to our roots as a Middle Easterner. I shouldn't have ever seen my husband before I got married anyway. Right? Yeah. Maybe in old, old days. Old, old days. Not obviously now. But you understand that they don't get married the minute they come out of the pods. They just get engaged. Oh yeah, and then they decide whether they get. And then so it isn't even so they they fall in love in the pods when they have these like lovely deep and meaningful conversations. DMCs to you and I. They sit on the floor. Sometimes they play music to each other, and I cringe so hard that I like basically invert myself. Do you like the bit where they open up the books and they have like notes on each person? That's who I. If I went on that show, that's who I would be. I'd have to have notes. When I was using dating apps, I basically had notes. <laughs> no, I didn't. Exactly. I didn't. I didn't. Eddie's going to listen to this. There was no notes. <laughs> um, the, um, yeah, Express Search. That's much more likely, actually, if I was going to have anything in it. A Google Doc. Um, I'd probably the, just say something to the wrong person. I'd be like, yeah, when we were talking about this the other, if, you, if you're going on 15 dates a day, it's very hard to keep up. Not that I've ever done that, but I would assume it's incredibly oh, difficult. Oh, yeah, um, probably. I've and they sit there that. in their little pods and they have their deep meaningful conversations and they fall in love and then they propose to each other and then they meet in that long corridor. And then sometimes it's like fireworks and it's beautiful and everything's really lovely. And then other times when it's incredibly clear that they just don't fancy each other and they just both sit there and they look repulsed. It's, I mean, awful but great television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk to you about a few success stories though because there have been. So let's be optimistic. Okay. Hit me. Big news this week from the most recent series, I think. No, the series before last. Yeah. So we're going to... Series six of the American one's coming out. So this would be series four of the American one. The couple Alexa and Brennan Lemieux. Lemieux? L-E-M-I... Lemo? Lemo. Um, they've just announced that they're pregnant. Oh. They're having a baby. A love is blind baby. Might be the first one. I don't think I liked them as a couple. She was Israeli-American. He was like the cowboy. Yeah. And her stepmom was like the most beautiful woman that had and really caused like a storm on social oh. media. Do you remember that? No, okay, I don't remember this couple at all. Um they were I quite like do them. some research. Um 
Then like from the first series, there are a couple of couples that are still together. Amber and Matt and Cameron and Lauren, they're still together, going strong. Nice. Maybe Cameron and Lauren have had a baby. TBC. Um, and then that cut the couple Bliss. There was uh, well, if you haven't watched it, there's no point. But there was one, the guy didn't actually choose her in the pods. And then Bliss and Zach, he didn't okay. choose her in the pods, but they had the best connection. He chose someone else, came out, no connection. Then he got in touch with her via, I assume, a Netflix producer. And um, they got together. together and I think they got married, yeah. Oh, sweet. So oh, hopefully it'll be gone. nicer here. This has gone everywhere because it's Brazil, Japan, Sweden. Yeah. They've all had versions of this show. Yeah. So I'm really happy that it's coming here. Um, I'm really excited. 10 out of 10, I'm going to watch. 10 out of 10, add it to my list. Okay. So um, there's something else that's been happening. No, happened. History. Okay, yeah. <laughs> From romance and Netflix to kind of like archaeology and history. Not quite archaeology. Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Very so famous explorer, pilot, navigator. I have a book on her that I read to my daughters. Amazing. Because um, it's, she's like one of those inspirational figures to young women yeah. and to young girls. And she was like, you know, told like, oh, no, you can't fly a plane kind of thing. She a long time them. ago. And she did. And then she <clears throat> did like the first solo trips. And then she was like the first woman ever to fly to America from the UK. So is it the transatlantic flight? Yeah. yeah, transatlantic flight. And she was like met with like all these people like cheering. Could you imagine like at that time, everyone was cheering. Um, yeah. So she was like one of those figures and then she got lost. Right. So she did. She was going around the world. She was on her way to being the first woman, a quest to be the first woman to fly around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and she was flying her Lockhead Electra 10E plane and it got lost in the Pacific and it was never uncovered. She um, was lost with her navigator, a man called Fred Noonan is what I've written, which feels wrong. So sorry if that's wrong. Yeah, he's he was actually her navigator on a few flights as well. Yeah. I know that oh, from it is my right. children's it's here. book. Fred Noonan. Yeah. Um, and so her plane was lost in the Pacific but, um, near an island called Howland Island between Hawaii and Australia. Um, and it yeah, went down completely un undiscovered. However, flash forward... 87 years to now and there is a man called Tony Romeo who has spent 11 million dollars whoa trying to uncover her plane why is he related to her or anything is he just no, interested just in her very story? interested just very very interested oh, I wish I had 11 million like just to like you know find something out if you had 11 million would you be trying to find Amelia Earhart's plane how much is the plane worth? Interesting. That's what I was actually thinking about. So they've this guy has an underwater drone and it's like state of the art. That's what they think they've used to find it. The place where they've um, tracked down this debris. So it's not confirmed yet if it is her plane mm -hmm. where they found this debris. Um, there's no known, there's no other known crashes in that area. So that's why it's looking quite likely. Mm. Um, but what I was like thinking about is when they do try and bring it up, if they're going to try and bring it up, 
it's been under there for 87 years. So surely it's going to be incredibly difficult to surface it. And like, is it going to disintegrate? Is it going to come up in one piece? I've read that they want to put it in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. So, um, is it in the sea? Yeah. Like, I thought the sea there is so deep. Yeah, that's why it's been so hard to find it, I guess. What is, it can't be very well intact. Yes, like the Titanic. Obviously, much bigger. But <laughs> <laughs> it's been down there for longer and it's still pretty intact. Interesting. Well. How long does it take metal to disintegrate? Very long time. I don't know, though. I've got a couple of cars in my life that rusted pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> Shipwrecks don't look that great fast. <laughs> I've had some cars that have been on the road for maybe 10 years, got a bit of rust. Looking a bit tired. <laughs> British in- British weather. Yeah, the rain really doesn't help with the old rust pockets. <laughs> so there's been speculation about what happened to her and like the mystery of her plane and it's always been kind of quite... Oh, for a long time. Yeah. And like, it's funny because in the book that I think it's, is it big, is it like is big stories big? for little people or yeah, something? Like- um there's yeah they they kind of like just gently gloss over the fact that she was lost forever after her last flight it's very much like and then she flew over the sahara and over jungles and you see like there's an illustration she's like waving at giraffes and it's all very pretty and then it's like and then she was never found again end of book (laughs) we will not be accepting any more questions from the children thank you very much no keep going for your dreams whatever they may be you might get lost forever I know, it's quite morbid. It's quite an aggressive message. But we should encourage people to go for their dreams. Yeah, 100%. Which is why I still read that book. Dahlia, Ada, I hope you love it. And here we are with Man About Time. We're all together. Hi. Yeah, I'm at the head of the table. Weeks. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. We've placed you at the head of the table. I feel very kingly and royal. It's quite a patriarchal setup, but we move. It is, yeah. <laughs> and I feel I'm talking directly to the camera. Yeah, you only talk to the camera. Don't make any yeah. interaction with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is quite strange being in this new environment, but we it might change again, you know It that. might change again. Sorry, no just one get crazy too comfortable. kids. Yeah. yeah, sorry. As head of multimedia, this might not last. So, <laughs> But yeah, we're, we're enjoying being in this new location. Yeah, I like it because it's a nine-minute drive from my house. Yeah. How many drive minutes drive from your house is it? Like 10, but because of the like, not 10, yeah, 15, 10, but because of the rain. They've been on the rain, you know. How many minutes drive from your house was it? 54. Right. (laughs) How the tables have turned. The tables have turned. I don't mind it. It's quite a fun coming to Dubai. By the way, I'm sure you guys addressed it, but happy birthday. Thank you. She brought it up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 25 and so accomplished. Yeah, how have you achieved so much so young? Yeah, how have you done it? I don't don't know. No, it's great. I I quite like being the age I am. I'm 38. I'm proud. Are you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Amazing. I mean, you know, I just just turned 40 and I felt it. Yeah, work it. Work it. That's her angle. You just turned 40. Yeah, and I felt it. I was telling Farah, like, and on Monday, I woke up and I, is the word stretched? A muscle? Wow. Who hasn't even got the language for it here? And I couldn't, I was like this all day. I couldn't even lift my arm. You look great. Thanks. But I don't muscularly feel it. But yeah, I mean, still, I'm like, oh, ow. But yeah. So oh, 40. no. A lot yeah. of deep heat. Yeah. yeah. yeah Buy shares in deep heat. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you have so much to look forward to mm. when you get to this ripe age. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, tell us what's going what's on about What's been time? happening? So... Lots of cool stuff happened and is happening. 
Last weekend, I went and saw Hamilton in Abu Dhabi. I came for the weekend. And you guys have seen Hamilton, right? You've I'm seen going it. this Saturday. Oh, but you've seen it before. Yeah, yes, I've seen discussed. it in London. And I've seen it on Disney Plus. Wow. Multiple I've times. I've seen it partially on Disney Plus. I, I, we've said this. Yes, you're not a musical gal. I'm not gal. a musical gal. Yeah. It was, look, talent was amazing. Mm-hmm. Jason Arrow, who you interviewed two weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah. He was brilliant. Like, very, yeah. like... You can't stop listening and, and, and watching him. The whole cast was brilliant. I've never seen Hamilton before. I took your advice and did a bit of research to see who the guy oh, is. Oh, you did some learning? Yes, some learning. So I Do can you go think that was helpful? Super helpful. So I didn't know that he was like this forefather, that kind of people, that he never really got the Jews that were like his, his Jews. Like people kind of just forgot about him in history. He never became president. Yeah, he never became president. And yeah. However, in saying that... Um, it, the story is kind of sometimes, I'm not sure if it's because it's continuously sung throughout and there's lots of rapping and singing and there's no talking. It's just continuous. So it's a lot to keep up with. Um, and sometimes the story goes into tangents that to me, I'm like, okay, where is this going to lead to? But then it leads to nowhere. But it's entertaining. But I was just like, oh, okay, this is not as cohesive as I thought it was. Does that make sense? Yeah, but also no, because it isn't, like the very like the trope of the musical is that it's, I know. Let's have a fight. <laughs> um, and I'm just sat here like, like the like musicals are musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. I don't have an issue with the the music part of the musical. But like for example, spoiler not spoiler alert. But like you I know, mean, you, I don't think you can do your spoiler alert on like history. Yes, true. <laughs> yes. So he was American. Well, <laughs> Joan of Arc died. <laughs> was he though? Because he came from the yes, Car- Caribbean. Yes, because he came from the, that's true. The Caribbean, if you say it in an American accent. You almost said it. I, I nearly just said yeah. Caribbean. So, so something that I found random is like, he was he's married to this woman and him and him and the sister kind of have a thing or like they're kind of in love. Him so and he's, his sister. So he's sister-in-law. married oh. to Elizabeth or Eliza mm-hmm. Skyler. Yeah, Skyler. Skyler sisters. Um, but he definitely has more of an instant connection with Angelica, her older sister, who's kind of pitched as like the feisty, yes. um, bold, impressive sister. Mm. And in the show, there's only three Skyler sisters and she's basically like, no, I can't marry him because he's poor. He's not bringing anything to the table. I'm the, I'm the eldest sister. I have to marry someone with money. So he's not for me. But that actually isn't historically accurate. Yes. Which uh, that doesn't bother me so much. But what? confused me is like when they set that up like oh okay so they're gonna have a love affair or something but then it just nothing came out of it it was just this that kind of scene where like i could have had him but i couldn't and we have this thing and i was like oh, and they okay. have the, i think they like write letters and probably get yes. like, like I, 18th I, century flirty you know yeah yeah <laughs> maybe i missed it because it was three hours long which is, it is long it's, 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 it's sure. long for a musical and their intermission was like two minutes so it was not long, but yeah, so brace yourself. I'm quite excited. I think next episode, we should talk about your interpretation. Yes. Well, you're re because you've seen it before. Inter- I'm going to be a fangirl. I was talking yeah. about this morning with Eddie. I was like, get excited. I need, I need different energy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, really a great experience and I enjoyed it. But I realized that I really do enjoy musicals that are more like talking, singing, talking, singing, as opposed to singing all the time. Okay. And um, I love King George. Like he was amazing. When, you and I messaged about this very briefly. Oh, yeah. You were like, I was more invested in King George's story. I actively laughed out loud. Really? <laughs> so of course you are. He's he's like, he comes in like not even who that much. He? So he's the king of England. Aren't oh. you from the UK? You should know who the king is. Oh, King George. Yeah. I You're, know familiar King George. <laughs> You're familiar. There's been quite a few King Georges. So. Oh, right. Okay. And there's going to be another one. Oh, oh yes. Eventually. Um, the he was the king that was kind of involved in the he had 
the war with America and that their war of independence, he was that king. Okay. And so in the show, he's this like very camp and a bit yes. bratty. And a bit it's like, very funny. he has this really good song, which is like, you'll be back. You know, you have your independence or you think being free is great America. Well, actually, no, you'll be back. And it's like his title song. And I found out this really interesting, maybe you know it. So, um, oh God, what's the name of the guy who did <laughs> the whole of Hamilton? Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Miranda. So he was apparently, legend goes, that he was talking to Hugh Laurie about this Hamilton thing that he's working on. And because Hugh Laurie's done a lot of Black Adler and a lot of spoofs where he Mm. plays like kings, he's like, oh, so I have this King George character. Like, I need a good title song. Like, I'm not sure what I should call it, what the song should be. And he was like, you'll be back. And he was like, oh, that's a great, that's a great phrase so now that you've like said that that character does give Hugh Laurie Laurie vibes yeah that's what I was thinking and then my friend told me this and I was like this is such an interesting yes that was an interesting tidbit thank you so much for bringing that to this table yeah no worries (laughs) now not 100% factual but it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, Don't we're not let sure the it truth be. get in the way. No, I can't say that I'm a journalist. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of course. It, even if it, it like, I can see it's, how it's, that could have yeah. been like a character that was inspired by him. I it's like definitely that. rooted in some truth, but I mean, yeah. the, the specific details. But yeah, interesting. I'm uh, getting FOMO now. Um, I have very vocally invited you to come with us on oh, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. you live in Abu Dhabi. You should, it should be, it's, it's your hood. It's like walking distance from your house. Yeah. It's a musical. Come. Way. Okay. Do it, and then just if you don't you like, like hip hop, you, you like rap, you little... like R and B. Yeah, yeah, I do good hip hop. This is not bad hip hop. It's not bad at all. There's a song called <laughs> "Guns and Ships" that is the fastest rap that's ever been done. It's on very cool. a Broadway stage. It's, it's really amazing, Ooh. and it's done did. in a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. So, what other else? cool live stuff I saw was I was in Al Quds Art Fest last <gasps> week on Sunday. So yes. it was really, really cool. I saw two really amazing shows that, you know, you guys can still follow these people online and see what they're doing. One of them is a duo called Chameleon. So one of them, the, the duo is Farah Shama. So she was, she used to be, live, she used to live in Dubai, but now she's based in Brazil. She's a Palestinian um, spoken word poet, poet. And she does these, re- she's always done these very amazing video pieces that have gone viral where she'll either speak in Arabic or she mixes Arabic and English. And she's always often talking about like um, the Arab diaspora or the Arab state of mind in today's world. And she did this really amazing performance as part of Chameleon. So with uh, an electronic DJ who's her her partner. And they performed on stage Mm -hmm. all of these pieces they've been working on about Palestine and what's happening in Palestine right now. And it was really amazing. And, And she's the kind of performer who she's just very humble in terms of it's not about the show. It's not about how she's dressed or her hair or whatever or the dance moves or anything. It's just her speaking directly to the audience. And while the performance and the the the, the poetry that she's written is very um, well composed, she's delivering it in a very informal, very emotional, visceral way. And honestly, like there were so many people, it was dead silent. Everybody was so absorbed in all the different pieces she was doing. She was talking about Palestine from so many different aspects. So she had this poem where she imagined if she never left Palestine, what she would want to see. So the sky, the stars, the house that her family's from. So there was mm-hmm. that that aspect. And then there was more of like a, uh, a a national anthem or cry about what's happening in Palestine right now. And in between, she would have these wonderful conversations with the audience and interact with them. It was really an amazing experience to hear somebody who's from Palestine and who also is a, is a poet and an author, connecting to people in that way. Uh, it was really, really beautiful. And so you say, so 
people can can they watch her online or yes. is there yes you can watch her online on YouTube just Google her name Farah Shama um, C H A W M A and there are so many videos of her uh, performing in lots of different places she's been um, very active on in the protests in so many different countries mm. so she's amazing so definitely check her out um, also I saw um, a really interesting performance artist DJ who is called, I apologize, that's not his name. His name is Depesh Pandaya. And he had this really interesting performance piece where in the middle of El Sarkal Avenue, if you guys haven't been there, El Sarkal Avenue is made up of all of these roads or mm. avenues, where he had this huge car, don't ask me what kind of car it is, I'm not a car guy, that he just <laughs> <laughs> that he just was driving and then he stops in the middle of one of the avenues and it has all of these lights and sirens and like... Um, flowers and decorations and for a second you think is this an ambulance or is this like a police car or is this like a truck or something and he blasts the speakers on and then he starts reading his poetry while he's sitting in the car and he's dressed in like what I can only describe as um, traditional Indian or South Asian outfits that are sort of modernized mm. uh, so he had this veil on you can't see him and it's the same color as the seats of the car so when you're looking from the front or the side it looks like the the seats of the car are moving because you wow. can't see him. You just see bits of hmm. him moving and talking to the speaker and performing these um, lyrics that he wrote about in, in um, reaction to Al Sarkar and Al Qos and what he's experiencing in the festival. Even though you're not picking up everything that he's saying, just the experience of seeing the scar and everybody surrounding it and him talking and how he's dressed was so surreal and cool. So mm -hmm. many people were taking videos and photos. Um, so he's somebody you can, you can also follow online. I don't, he's one of those people you never know what his face is like. What's that singer called? Sia. Sia. Yeah, it's that kind of vibe. Like, like Banksy. Like Banksy. Like who is Very he? mysterious. Yeah, very mysterious, very elusive, very fashion. Would you do that? No, I like, I, I would get too claustrophobic with things in front of my face. He also wants the recognition. Yes, I also oh. want the fame. No, I want to be well known, not famous. Famous, famous. He wants to be notorious. Scary. Yes, notorious. Ooh, notorious notorious is a great word. <laughs> Isn't it? Notorious B.I.G. But yeah, it's it's a great word. Uh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> so Are you familiar with? Are you? Do you know this? Are you familiar with someone? Uh, certain Biggie Smalls. <laughs> yeah, notorious, notorious. That's yeah. what you want to be known as. No, not really. Man Which, is good. Man is okay, good. We'll stay man with about man. town. Man about town. But yeah, I really recommend that. In future, if you didn't manage to go to Al Quds Art Fest, you must go next year. I said last week that last year when I went, Saint Levant performed, and then this yeah. year he's performing in Coachella. So who knows who who Who's, from the amazing yeah. lineup is going to be yeah. performing in other great places? So you will hear it here first if you go to Al Quds Fest or in Coachella. Amazing, yeah. Um, what else is happening? So well, yeah, there's big big things happening this weekend. Yes, you're coming, Woo. right? Emirates yes. Lit Fest. Yes. yes. So it is. Time for the Emirates Lit Fest. It's happening. started last night officially, and it's on until Monday. So for those of you who don't know, it is the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature that happens at the Intercontinental Hotel, where they bring amazing authors locally, regionally, internationally. They all gather together for a mixture of sessions that includes a bunch of different authors talking about one topic or like one-on-one -on -one chats with authors. Uh, we wrote a piece last week about like the must-see sessions. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to mention a few of those. The first one is called is about historical fiction. So it has two really amazing um, authors who are Arab, female authors who write in English. So Sudanese-British author Leila Abu Ayla and Egyptian author Reem Basuni. And they both have written historical fiction and they are talking about what does it take to bring the past to life through books? Mm. You know, and how much research do you do? How much do you stop research and then actually write the story? And historical fiction is a very popular genre. 
It is. It is a very popular genre. So that's happening on February the 4th from 12 to 1 p.m. And then another really cool session, which is one that I really love, which is all about fantasy. So what's so cool is they have three of the biggest fantasy authors, in my opinion, from the last uh, couple of years. You have Shannon, I hope I'm pronouncing her surname right, Chakraborty. And she's written a whole bunch of um, fantasy trilogies that are really, really popular. You also have um, Sue Lin Tan, and she has, I read both of her fantasy novels last year. They were one of my favorite, Daughter of the Moon Goddess, which is fantasy based on Chinese mythology. So we usually hear, you know, fantasy like based on European mythology. So this is really interesting. And we also have one of the most popular fantasy novel, fantasy fantasy authors, Rebecca Yaros. Have you guys heard of her? No, she has So she's huge on TikTok. Her book called The Fourth Wing was everywhere. Uh, it's kind of like Game of Dragon, Game of Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is. <laughs> uh, what is it? Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. But a bit more like Fifty Shades of Grey vibe. So oh, it's oh. like spicy fantasy, which is a huge genre right now. Spicy. Yeah. I think it's called witchy romance. I think that's the name of the... I've heard... Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... I've heard of this genre. Yeah. So her book, Fourth Wing, and the second one is out now. It was... It's huge. It's already been bought... The, the TV rights have been bought by Amazon, and she's an executive producer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Dream. Yeah. Big dreams. So this... So those three authors are on stage together discussing... What does it mean? to create fantasy. What is fantasy? How do you world build? Why is fantasy so prevalent and important? Why is it such a huge, big genre? Can I, I, I want to interject. Please. Yes. You know, like on my, you know, obviously I'm on this like journey of discovering the UAE. I've just decided, decided? Mm -hmm. It's gathering, isn't it? Gathering is a huge part of the culture here. Like all these like festivals, this yeah. literature oh, thing. Yes. Just gathering people in one location. And we saw it even with like the global summit for like social media stars mm. or like FinTech. Or we have that's like a really interesting observation because I would never have thought that since I since I've been here for a while. Yeah. But from yeah, that's it's really just like I just think that like But we have like very concentrated because we have like big, big cities in quite a small country and with like a lot of like industry and interests mm. and so it's like where in other countries it'd be a lot more spread out and but we have like such like amazing things happening in very concentrated space so that's why we get this kind of like abundance of gatherings yeah. and maybe. that's interesting that you say that because I think about Al-Quz when I was the Al-Quz Art Fest like there were so many people that I just don't see around like people mm. with like lots of tattoos or like piercings or they're like dressed very very like you edgy know, edgy and i'm like what do you do for a job like are you an accountant mm. like where do you come from what's going on like it's i never see those some of those people at where i go mm. um so and and then with the lip fest as well you see a sort of a different group of people and it reminds you again how you know diverse so Dubai diverse yeah is. it's so diverse and i think it's also becoming it's like i think it's attracting more and more people from diverse mm. backgrounds um, and I think that's really interesting to witness at the moment. I, yeah, I think a lot of people, like I was talking to one of my colleagues, she might be in the room, but just about like, you know, lots of Arabs um, from lots of different parts of the Middle East try and come here and they all come with such different cultures. Like mm. all the books that you're mentioning from different authors, from mm. different parts of the world. So it's like they're coming together, they're gathering here. I feel it's like a really important part of the culture. Yeah. Oh, that's a really nice note. Little observation. Yeah. You, carry on though. Sorry, I interrupted. Is anyone, someone's being recognized in this? Yeah, so there's an honorary kind of event happening at the Lit Fest for Mahmoud Darwish, the great Palestinian author uh, and poet. 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 Uh, so, so many of his works are part of um, Palestinian, Palestinian um, narrative. narrative and discussion about Palestinian identity. So a couple of um, 
poets and performers are going to be going up on stage and sort of paying homage to him and his legacy, which is really cool. That's oh, really beautiful. Do you have details of when? Yes. So that is happening on uh, February the 3rd. It's from 8 to 9. So it's at night. So it's a bit more intimate. Saturday night. Nice. Yes. Uh, and um, oh, Amar Ashgar, who is a singer based in the UAE. He sang, he did a performance yesterday at the gala opening. His voice is amazing. Like I was shook. That's what hmm. the kids say. They do. They do. So he had, <laughs> he was amazing. And so he's going to be one of the performers there. So I'm really looking forward to hearing him uh, do performance. Uh, and yeah. It's a busy weekend. It's a busy, busy weekend. It always is. It when is. Yeah. Thank right. you so much, man. No worries. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening to us. That's it. That's all we have time for today. And if you like this episode, please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And don't forget to tell all your friends and family about it. Bye. Bye.